Welcome to the Proclaim Columbus podcast. We are on a mission to equip people throughout the diocese to be missionary disciples. Welcome back to the Proclaim Columbus podcast. I'm Liz, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by Abby today. Hi, Abby. How are you? Hello. I am doing great. So, Abby, we have an amazing guest in the studio with us today, Um, a new person here at the diocese, a new face. Uh, We have Dr. Marlon Delatore. Well said. Thank ah, you. Good job, Liz. Good job. Uh, and we think we found out we're just like fifth cousins. So that's right. It's like a podcast with family. That's right. Like, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's all family. It's all family. Marlon, yeah. welcome to the Diocese of Columbus. It is a pleasure and a blessing to be here with all of you. It really is. We are so excited and blessed to have you here. And what we'd like to do today is just introduce you to everybody. Sure. Um, we want to hear about your journey. Absolutely. Where'd you come from? How'd okay. you get here? What's the Lord doing in your life? Okay, oh that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> in five minutes. Okay, no. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, the, God really positions you in, in a way where you just don't first and foremost understand. And then you begin to really uh, evolve this, uh, this position of faith that he presents you with. And you're like, oh, now I get it. Obviously, it's when our human condition tries to catch up with the divine and what he's up to. Um, I, I never intended to be in, in this position. That was not originally what my, my aspirations were. I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up born in a border town called Calexico, California. Um, half my time in Mexico, my grandfather's farm, and then um, the majority of my time uh, living in El Central, California. Uh, which people here present know exactly what I'm talking about in the valley where, where the sun spends the winter and the average temperature in the summer is about 118. So it's not for the faint of heart. And, and yes, it's a dry heat, but it does get humid sometimes. So uh, for those who love humidity, I, I still defer to dry heat. So um, uh, I grew up in a nominal Catholic family. Uh, wasn't uh, um, exuberant in the Catholic faith, per se, other than traditional Mexican family uh, i share the story where my grandmother had a great devotion to our lady guadalupe which mexican family does not but uh as as our family went there was a mural my grandmother had in, in her farm of our lady guadalupe and uh she always made a point of telling us when we were young right that's our lady you honor her you worship her and then she had a small little corpus a little crucifix on the wall oh that's jesus and so it's just a way of, of how we viewed our, our faith i mean mom is everything Right. Yeah, we know Jesus is God. Yeah, but that's Jesus. But Mama, that, that's that's Mary. that's that's Mary. That's Mom. So now, for any theologian out there who who knows me well, I mean, there's that. But that's that's blasphemy. It's like, People are panicking. Right. Panicking. Now. No. All right. Or, or no. Or <laughs> we, can, we can discuss a Mariology course later and talk about mediatrix or co-redemptrix and what have you. But that's not what she's referring to. It's just part of the culture. There's no disrespect to our Lord. He is the incarnate Word, the hypostatic union, the Word made flesh. Etc. So that was part of my upbringing, but really, um, faith was not important other than cultural. It, it was very, very commonplace, but it wasn't the the pinnacle of why I lived my life. Um, went to public school uh, half my life, and then my grandmother urged my mother to really um, send me to Catholic school, which I vehemently was opposed to. I had no desire to go to public school at all, and. Um, and I would say that was part of the journey that started my faith. I mean, we, we knew we had an awareness of God. We knew who God was because of our culture. We knew our Blessed Mother. We knew all those things generally well, but it wasn't anything that was outstanding. Um, growing up, uh, I'll preface this, I mean, didn't grow up in, in, in nice neighborhoods per se. In the valley, there were, there were some areas where I grew up that were gang infested. We had 
uh, gunfights. We had drug dealers. I saw a lot of things I shouldn't have seen uh, prior to the age of five. And so that was just part of the, the norm. But we knew that God's somewhere. Nothing happened to us today, so we knew we knew we survived today. Uh, and, and so, as a child, you grew up with an awareness of something, uh, and it was really uh, as I evolved in, in understanding my faith, and really not learning English till I was probably age seven to eight, really, because I was thrown into ca- into public school not not speaking English well at all. Not, yeah, uh, I, I, true story. I learned English by watching Three's Company. That was my primary, f- yeah. So if, if, for those of you who I've just aged myself a little bit here, so Mork and Mindy, Three's Company, Happy Days, All in the Family, Chico and the Man. So every every glorious 70s yeah. sitcom you can think of. <laughs> what, far before Brady <coughs> Bunch. <laughs> yeah. Any Brady Bunch in there? Uh, what was that? Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch a little bit, yeah. Couldn't quite come to grips with Brady Bunch. Yeah. I mean, I think it's this cultural thing. But, uh, but uh, the funny thing is, in my grandparents, my grandparents had three boys and three girls. So there you go. Uh, uh, it wasn't really until uh, I think I walked into Catholic school for the first time that I asked myself, what am I doing here? Hmm. And so first religion class, I'm walking, and we're, I'm surrounded by these, these women who are dressed in full habit. They're Dominican nuns from Mexico City who ran St. Mary's Catholic School. I walk in my first day of class. I sit in the very back, making sure no one can see me because I am a foreigner amongst those who have grown up in a Catholic educational environment. Um, and I love my public school. My public school was great. They taught me well. I had some great teachers. Actually, I had a classical curriculum taught in my public school because the teachers at that time were all in their 60s, and they were classically trained. So I actually was reading like some of the great classics and things of that nature. It was kind of a, of a hybrid quadrivium-trivium system in a public school, which is unheard of. Yeah. All right, But I was just exposed to that. But with no Catholic context, okay, purely secular, no Christianity, no, no. So the wiring was in place. No, yeah, but extent, but there was, there was extent, but there was yeah. no connection here. What what would I look at? What would I read Chaucer with the lens of a Catholic student? Mm-hmm. Why would I even do that? Why would I even look at Shakespeare? Why would I even uh, read or be exposed to Plato or Aristotle and think of it within the Catholic context? Doesn't exist. It shouldn't. And so. The reason my grandmother spurred this is because um, I hadn't made my first Holy Communion until I was in fifth grade. My grandmother told my mother, he's got to make his first Holy Communion. So I didn't make it till I was in fifth grade. I'm like, okay, that's nice. Did I believe in the true presence? Maybe. Did I understand it was something holy? Yeah. Did I realize that I needed it every day? No. Because my parents didn't. Why should I? And so th- that was all part of the, of the structure of this involvement of, of, of my journey. So I go into Catholic school. I sit in the back. And so it's religion class. First class, I'm like, oh, great. That's all I need. What is this? So they give us our books that required. So mind you, I had never opened up a Bible in my life. Seventh grade. Care less. So they gave me this red Bible, New American Bible. I'm like, what's this? So Sister Maria del Carmen. All right, diminutive sister, full habit, probably four foot four, I kid you not, but with hands of stone and a ruler on her right hand. So she tells class, turn to John 6. Right? 54. <laughs> Sweating. Yeah. Who's John? Yeah. I had no idea who, what she was referring to. I had no context. 
biblically speaking, of anything at Everyone all. Everyone around you knew what to do. Of course they did. Course. So, so I'm like, I'm in trouble because they're expecting me to know something. Now, mind you, I made my first Holy Communion. Mind you, I memorized the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and the Creed. Okay. I, I can memorize that. something. I had, but I had no idea what they meant. Yeah. I just memorized it because I had to for the test to make my first Holy Communion, and that was it. Um, so she's slowly walking. So picture this in the narrative, walking with a ruler, banging each desk. Oh, no. Making sure everybody's attention. So I'm in the way back. So all of a sudden, she turns to my aisle. I said, Lord, if you are real, if you exist, if this is where I'm supposed to be, then just help me open to whoever John is and whatever these numbers are and just open it up to me. So she's coming. I'm like, I close my eyes, open it. Right before she comes to my desk, right on John 6. No way. And so sister's like, muy bien, very well. Good done, Mr. De La Torre. It's like, I just smiled. Yes, sister. Thanks, God. <laughs> um, so I, I, I looked up and I said, all right, thank you, Lord. All right, so I'm right to the verse, to the chapter and the verse of John's gospel, the great Eucharistic discourse. Of course. Which I, now I can discuss verbatim, <laughs> which at that time I could not. So um, I said, okay. So you have this calming sense. At the same time, you're scared to death. All right, what does this mean? So I failed religion in my first three quarters. Seventh grade. And I just couldn't understand it. The concept was foreign to me. And this is what we deal with with individuals who are not exposed to anything of our Lord. It is foreign. and We, we forget that. Yeah. It, it's a foreign concept. Well, you just have to believe. No, you don't understand. I don't understand. And that was me. I just didn't understand. Um, eventually, something was clicking. And sister was extremely patient because she realized that I came from really nothing. And by the fourth quarter, at the end, I finally got my C in religion. Nice. All right, so I progressed from basically failing miserably. And she knew that I didn't know. She realized very quickly, oh, okay. So I, I tried the best I could. I had no concept of, of any terminology. I've never opened a religion book. I, 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 and eventually um, progressed from there. Uh, but really, it wasn't until I went to the Catholic High School in Calexico, California, Vincent Moro Catholic High School, that I encountered uh, probably the single most greatest influence in my life, Dennis Jacobelli, uh, who was the assistant principal, my basketball coach, strength coach, and the chair of theology. He opened my world to reading Fulton Sheen, Frank Sheen, G.K. Chesterton, uh, C.S. Lewis. Blew my world away. Wow. Uh, taught me apologetics right off the bat. Taught me things that I did not know existed. It made sense. And he just put it in a way like, this is how we live. And he was a disciplinarian. He was strict, Italian man, played college basketball, was an Olympic weightlifter. You don't mess with him. He, he, he could tear you apart with one hand. <laughs> um, I fell in love. He helped me fall in love. And my family, we were... Uh, we were um, very entrepreneurial in our family. My dad was a salesman for a long time. He owned businesses. So we owned a family restaurant. And being the oldest of four, I supposed to carry on the tradition of, of carrying the family and working the restaurants. But I knew that that's not what God had planned. And that was hard for a family, especially for my father, to reconcile when I told him, I think I want to do something else. So it's, it's, especially when you're, you're considered, you're the oldest, you will take over for the family, period. You're taking over the family business. Um, 
So I told I told Jake, I want to do what you do. So he recommended three schools, Francisco University, Steubenville, University of Dallas, and the Ignatian program under Father Festio in San Francisco. Well, I knew I didn't want to stay home. So I, accepted, I, I applied to Dallas and Franciscan, and I got accepted to both, but I took the furthest point away. <laughs> I didn't know much about Franciscan University, other, a little bit here or there, but nothing really about its charismatic background or nature or anything. It's just like, Jake recommended it. Good enough for me. Um, to the chagrin of my parents, my father was not pleased, so that caused a lot of strife. That's for another story. But um, definitely a lot of turmoil and distress because I was the oldest of the family. I took care of my siblings. Um, I worked. Um, we had fallen a hard time, so I was uh, basically um, supporting the family as well. And here I'm off. To Ohio. To Ohio. One valley to the next. One valley, yeah. <laughs> one valley, yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, Jefferson County. Uh, one valley to the next. And so, I, I, true story, and I'm not making this up. I, I took all, everything I'd earned at that time, and I gave it to my mom except for $300. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had two bags with me. Mm-hmm. And I bought a one-way ticket on Amtrak, because that's all I could afford, uh, to head to um, Pittsburgh, where they would pick me up to take me to Sumville. So, three and a half days on an Amtrak, one way, with two bags and 300 bucks. And I said, all right, Lord, this is what you want. I am, I am your son. I'm your disciple. Hopefully this will work. And if not, I am the greatest idiot on the planet. We're about to find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm here now, so go figure. Uh, so I guess it worked out somewhat. Uh, so I got, I, I arrived in Pittsburgh. Somebody picked me up. I, I get to school and I'm like, I have no idea why I'm here. I have no clue. I could, I, I have no clue what, why God brought me here. So, um, I get there early unbeknownst to me, right? So this is a Valley kid who had never been past Denver, Colorado, because I went to, I'd gone to World Youth Day there in uh, 93. So I had no idea about Midwest, East Coast, weather. The only coat I had, now mind you, I'm a desert kid, <laughs> okay, was my Letterman jacket. Okay. That's it. Thermals, what's that? Wool socks, anomaly, all right? Um, different jackets for different seasons? What seasons? right. We have no seasons. Hot and hotter. It's just hot, <laughs> hotter, and a little bit of cool in December. That's it. Um, so I get there, and I realize that I'm early, and with 300 bucks in my pocket, in my room, room 220, St. Francis Hall, second floor of Francis University, I'm like, okay, now what do I do? How do I get to the store? I have no vehicle, I have no transportation. I'm here by myself. But I realize, oh, international students can come in early. It's like, all right. I have no idea where I'm going to get something to eat. I'm here. So what do I do? So I go to the calf. True story. All right. This is where. Oh, yeah. That just brought me back. We still call it the calf. Yeah, the calf. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to the calf, and I see Cindy. Cindy was the patriarch of, of the cafeteria. She's deceased now. She was a Protestant. She came into the church. All right. Many, many years later. We love Cindy. So Cindy looks at me. He's like, Hello, what's your name? And I say, uh, Marlon de la Torre. Oh, you're an international student. Oh. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because international students can eat for free because they're traveling internationally. Wow. So she said, but your name is on the list. And I said, no sé. I don't know. That's okay. We'll put you on. They're probably it's a little mistake. Gracias. Thank you. So God provided three square meals for three days. Wow. Through that interaction. 
What am I supposed to do? I got 300 bucks in my pocket. I got to let it last the whole semester. That's all I have on me. Most of my belongings. And so that happened. And then I'm walking up towards Sarvaji Hall. And I see this man in white coming down. So imagine basically this mo- this movie scene where this guy's coming with the sun backdrop and like all of a sudden, ah, this type of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, who is this guy? So uh, he looked like a priest. Like, you've got to be a priest. You're wearing a robe. I mean, my definition of a robe, somebody in California is a Hare Krishna, all right, wearing bees and everything. So keep in mind the context yeah, here yeah. of my worldview, <laughs> all right? It, it's pretty pretty out there a little bit, all right? Where, I mean, I'm smelling smog in Steubenville, Ohio, where I grew up smelling marijuana. Right. All right. This is, this is the, the, how drastic this shift is. I go from one end to another spectrum here. So I look at him and he looks at me, puts his arms, his hands on my shoulders. And I looked and I was like, I don't know why I'm here. I have no idea why I'm here. I'm, I'm just like pouring my soul to this guy. I don't know who he is. He looked at me with these hazel, beautiful eyes. And he's like, okay, God brought you here for a reason, for a purpose. There are no accidents and no mistakes of why you're here. He loves you. You're going to do something with this. All right. And, and I just need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the blue, somebody who doesn't know me is like, I am not an accident. There are no mistakes or, or negative consequences for me being here. He will massage, soften, and trim everything for you. You just have to obey. <sighs> that's, that's the hard that's part. <clears throat> and so. Two and a half days, three days later, they have the full orientation. Everybody's on campus. Okay. Everybody's going crazy. They're doing things that I've never seen before, all right, regarding the Catholic faith. Yeah. I've never been around a group of people who are on fire for the Lord, and I'm thinking they're all doped up, uh-huh. for lack of a better <laughs> phrase. Pardon me for saying that. It's just what no, I, 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 sure. As a freshman that went through a Franciscan orientation, that's very accurate, okay. actually. <laughs> so, uh, and, and back in the day, I mean, it was even, even very, yeah. very intense, okay. all right? And um, you could just feel just something there that was just, you're about to drop. And I'm like, why am I feeling dizzy? Wow. Okay. And then they're making a, hey, welcome, Father Michael Scanlon, president of Francisco University. I was just about to ask if Father so, Mike was still president. Oh, yeah, of course he was. Yeah, yeah he was because he, he, he became chancellor in the year 2000. Yes. So I, I benefited from really at the end of the pinnacle of who he was. Yeah. And so I see this man walking up. Oh, that's the guy who I met. That prayed with you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, that's the guy. Wow. And I'm like, oh. Huh. Okay. He might know what he's talking about. <laughs> he, he, may, he may have a clue. Yeah. Um, and so he um, was like, oh, then he started just preaching to us. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And I'm looking at all these weirdos. <laughs> Seriously, the, the, I, I'm yeah. walking, into my, walking into my mindset at the time like, I don't belong here. I'm a, I'm a kid from Cali. I'm a kid from the border. I'm, 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 I mean, I barely see any, any other Mexicans here. It's the first time I've been in an area where there aren't too many of my kind, yeah. if at all. I'm like, okay, this is all off. I cannot possibly, God cannot be real now. There's no way this is happening now. Um, and then I realized, yeah, supposed to be here slowly but surely uh entered a household ahim adonai and my brothers for life i just visited with one this past weekend dropping off my daughter in dc uh, i saw the opening i saw the veil and slowly but surely cultivating i made some wonderful people that are still friends to this day the university once you're alumni you're alumni 
It's just, it doesn't end. And some great TOR priests who are still friends with me to this very day, an instrumental priest, Father Bob Hiltz, who passed away last, last November, who married my wife, Amy, and I. I met my wife there, Amy. And she has a story, uh, which is fascinating, how she ended up, even though she grew up an hour away from Youngstown, imagine being a young lady going to a Sumo Youth Conference on your own. Yeah, her story is very compelling as well. Um, and so this is how I got there. And, and this is where it's um, I find it amazing. And I mean, I'm trying to keep it brief here for the sake of time, but uh, you don't know how he cultivates you. It took one man to change my life, to direct me in a way that I needed it. Because, uh, because I thought it was going to be a business tycoon. Take over a restaurant, yeah. build another one, build another one, create the empire. Sure, yeah. Focused on that because, uh, because after high school, I went to junior college for two years before transferring to Franciscan okay. because of money. But also, I was, I was a business major. And then through that, I became the only declared um, religion major on the campus of Imperial Valley College. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, true story. So, I was walking through the quad, and people got wind that I declared differently. So, imagine this. I'm walking through the quad of IVC, Imperial Valley College, with my pocket organizer, and people like, hey, preacher, there's your Bible, isn't no. it? And I started getting, and, and um, people started mocking me. Mm-hmm. And girls was like, so you're going to resist mm-hmm. me? And this, So this happened mm-hmm. as part of the journey. Sure. And um, so thinking back at it, this was all set by our Lord. But it was set by an individual that he put in my life that got me to, to where I'm at now. Um, it, it is unique because when you think you have nothing, he makes sure you have more than you realize. He's so abundant. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's hard, though, to surrender. Surrender to the divine will of God when our human condition tells us no. It makes no sense, practically speaking. It, can, it doesn't seem logical. It's out of the complete ordinary of, of your basic human psyche. But yeah, God does. He, he is the one that gave you that, that psyche to begin with. And there's that thread in your story of, you know, when you're in that classroom with the sister and the Bible. Yeah. And then high school. Yep. And then your experience at Franciscan. Yeah. The Lord used your desire to learn or put a desire to learn in you mm. that then he found places to show you his presence along the way. Absolutely. I mean, Sister Carmen was significant. Mm-hmm. Or obviously can't deny that. She 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 just she showed a gentleness to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where, where I was literally wounded. In a, in a new area, and the wound was because I mean, I'm I'm alone. Yeah. yeah, and each time you were alone, like each of these points in your story. Absolutely, and that, then and then Dennis took you into that desert yeah. again. Absolutely, so feed you, they feed you. Jake, the same thing. He, all right. And then Father Mike. Yeah. All right, and so the these progressions. And Cindy, who literally fed you. <laughs> Cindy, Cindy, who fed me. Yeah. Cindy, um, I'll never forget Cindy, yeah. uh, forever, and uh, she just took care of me. Mm-hmm. So he puts people in your life if you're open. Docility of the spirit is a very difficult thing, um, and we all of us, in some ways, should should embrace an aspect of Saint Anthony of the Desert, where you remove yourself from all the impediments of life and just focus on our Lord. So, I mean, and that's part of the journey for me that that I got to the point. So then I ended up just studying at Franciscan, and then still keep in mind, even though I studied theology and history and mental health and human services, uh, I still wasn't convinced that that was my path. Because even after graduation, I took a translating job 
Okay. All right. And my wife and I moved to Baltimore. Uh, got married and lived in Baltimore. She was going to grad school, working part time, living our beautiful life. And it wasn't until by chance, all right, I realized, okay, we were at a charismatic prayer group meeting in Baltimore, North Baltimore, and well, wouldn't you know it? A gentleman got a got a word and vision. There's a gentleman here who's struggling to let go of what he thinks his path is, but the God is calling him to serve him. And he said certain things that no one else could know about me, which uh, yep. God's way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my wife looks at me, he's like, oh. And then literally a friend of, of my, uh, my mother-in-law said, a position just opened up for a parish DRE at my wife's hometown parish. Okay. I met with the pastor. He wanted somebody from Soonville. He didn't care if I had ump degrees or no degree. He wanted somebody from Soonville. And that's where it all started for ministry, hmm. from being a, a parish DRE in the city of Niles, Ohio, Diocese of Youngstown, to now almost 30 years later of being blessed of having done a lot of things in the church, worked for a, a lot of beautiful people, a lot of great bishops, um, having done a lot of great things, uh, radio, TV. I never would have envisioned what I've done, ever. And I know at this stage of my life, uh, with, with three kids at Franciscan, so we're continuing the tradition. We have three at Franciscan. Uh, that now we're continuing to to share that that story, that journey, and just bring people back home. So there you go. That's incredible. Thank mm. you for sharing all that and <laughs> just the welcome. vulnerability and all of that. And um, yeah, you're welcome. And just the way the Lord has mm-hmm. worked in your life. I mean, I feel like we're just very blessed that. Oh, you're, you're too kind. You're too kind. So grateful. Uh, I know Bishop Fernandez. What did you hear? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he can make things happen. He can so, make, yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's incredible. So, yeah. And we'll have to hear more about the in-between, you know, from yeah. that first parish. Until a- absolutely. Until here now. Yeah. So we'll continue this conversation another time. But thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, would you like to close us in a prayer? Love to. Love to. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the desert. We thank you for the way of the cross, and we thank you for your infinite love through your, your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we cannot do without your hope. There's nothing that we can uh, surrender ourselves to unless you are with us. You are a guide. You are grace. And you are mercy. We thank you for the gift of the church. We thank you for your sacrifice and your death on the cross. We thank you for destroying sin and death. And providing us with the gateway to heaven. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the grace and mercy of your love. May love always shine forth in you. May we always be still in your heart and be patient with your love. And for all these things, we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. John Bosco, pray, pray, pray for, for us. us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Proclaim Columbus podcast. And until next time, go and proclaim God's glory.